Well, welcome One Hope and One Hope friends to uh, the One Hope podcast. We are continuing our journey through the Minor Prophets and uh, it's uh, season four and this is uh, week 10. I think it's week 10 of our 12 weeks in the Minor Prophets. And so Sunday, uh, we looked at the all two chapters of the book of Haggai, short book, and I, we, uh, we kicked it off on Sunday morning, and the message was really centered around uh, how ridiculously bad sense of humor God has, likes to mess with me, he gave me the book of Haggai, which is all about don't neglect your church work of building God's kingdom because you're fixing up your house. And of course, this in the middle of me uh, fixing up my house, my kitchen remodel is a complete distraction while I'm trying to write this sermon. So very amusing. Uh, of that. To be fair, your temple's not been completely destroyed by a foreign terrible empire and needs to be rebuilt. So not yet, not yet, but maybe yet. that's coming because you know I'm you know neglecting my church work for uh, <laughs> paneling my house apparently. So uh, no, we actually saw how that um, is. It's not about not you know fixing up your house, but it's really the a book about priorities. What your priority should be. Uh, really putting. Lord first, put kingdom things first. And uh, and so the readings that I kind of picked for the week kind of centered around that a little bit. How do you evaluate what your priorities should be? How do you evaluate, um, you, know, <clears throat> it's, you know, seeking first the kingdom was one of the passages we looked at. Um, another passage was Mary and Martha, you know, Mary picked the better thing, you know, saying it's feed Jesus. Another one was Paul, you know, all of the Really, the things that he thought was had given him a lot of status in his life uh, was um, um, counts nothing compared to knowing Christ, and uh, and so um, passages uh, such as that. So, I should introduce who's on this uh, podcast today. And uh, full disclosure, we are actually uh, recording this on a Wednesday night for our Saturday podcast because uh, some of us are going to be down at a leadership retreat this weekend, and. Uh, uh, so just uh, to facilitate that, but it's uh, myself, Peter Chernus, and James Wilborn is with us, and Hannah Chernus, my daughter, who walked in after just finishing a 12-hour shift and has not had dinner yet, and said, Hannah, jump on the podcast. Let's talk Haggai. And she said, yes, Father, dearest. It would be my joy to do so. I live to please you. So Hannah knows where her part <laughs> <laughs> what you say? modeling the priorities yes yes yeah you were modeling the priorities. so and uh and hannah you were even working on sunday right yeah, yeah so i didn't even see the message you so. haven't seen, you haven't heard the message you haven't uh I'm, i sprung this on you without having read all the readings so uh but i just gave you a summary there of the message and i know all our one hope people are saying why couldn't you just said that instead of giving a 25 <laughs> message but what I do. So, um, so any thoughts that just kind of jump out for you, just either from the message or my description of the message there, and uh, or just from the readings. So I'll I'll go first with um, you know when I did listen to the message uh, and uh, as I was listening to you kind of intro in there, I I felt like that you're you're treading into that 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 sort of temptation slash sin area that is so prevalent and dangerous that I almost didn't want to have to grapple with it. It's like, and that's the whole subject of 
a distraction from what God's needs needs from us. Mm-hmm. I feel like when it comes to things like idolatry worship and you know sacrificing stuff wrong and eating you know all the stuff that's kind of laid out as i kind of got that down i i don't think i'm an idolater i I do worship god but man when you start talking about the distraction thing that is that is i think probably the number one problem of most christians in you know, affluent America today, affluent, but also I think over, um, overstressed America today, the distraction is, is there in part because we choose it, but also in part because we are swept up in this kind of environment and world in which there's so many things pulling and so many perceived obligations that, um, and we want to do the right thing by those obligations. And it's easy to over-obligate. So I look very forward to thinking through this one. I mean, I need it as badly as anybody because distraction is hands down the biggest hindrance to me in my spiritual life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going off of that, I feel like I get distracted just like in general to like anything about anything. And so like that like only adds to like like it's not just spiritually but it's just like in general it's part of my personalities I'm easily distracted and so that doesn't always help with like um focusing on God but I think like sometimes like when I feel like when I think about being distracted from God I think about like you know the things I'm doing that aren't like sitting and reading my Bible and praying but I feel like that's not necessarily a good way of thinking about it because I don't think that's the only way you can like keep your eyes on God I think like maybe like a better idea is like rather than like like stop doing whatever it is you're doing in your daily life to go spend time with Jesus is like bring Jesus into those daily moments of like whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you're doing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a good one that's a good thought yeah it's uh brother Lawrence practicing in the presence of God famous monk who just was a dishwasher and he did his work, but he learned the secret of just bringing, um, just worshiping God in the day to day and just the um, everything of life. Martin Luther actually, I think, talked about how he really tried to emphasize in a day and age where, you know, monks were the spiritual people and everybody else was less spiritual that he, you know, the whole part of the Reformation was just the discovery that's that, no, it's not doing those religious things. It's actually taking God into the secular and just glorifying him and in, in the work that you're doing. And so it does seem to be a heart thing. And so maybe I'll, let's go there for a second uh, because um, you know, there's that passage where Jesus says, you know, store treasure in heaven, not treasure on earth. Um, and, um, but then he gives the reason, the reason because uh, your treasure is where, your heart is where your treasure is. And, uh, and so that does seem to be a key piece here, uh, just kind of really where, where our heart is, I mean, I think of Jesus, you know, he went to parties, he, you know, turned water into wine, uh, he was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton because he hung out with tax collectors and sinners, presumably at feasts, and so uh, there's nothing wrong, apparently, with those kinds of things, but of course it gets, I guess, how do you balance that? How, how as Christians, how do we balance um, the enjoyment of life with um, um, 
the fact that it's, you know, I said on Sunday, there's only three things that last forever, God, God's word, and the souls of men and women. That's it. And so those really should be the things we're, you know, investing in. And yet Jesus certainly uh, uh, allowed for the other activities as well. So any thoughts on any of that? I guess I, I think that like, there's the, um, the gifts that God gives us in the world in which we live that are, that are part of like what feeds our soul. And, and those are good. It, it, it's all a matter of perspective, right? And not, not, you know, looking at those as the end game of everything, but as gifts along the way, right? And, and, and I think that's where it's hard for us to draw the line because fun things are fun. And um, even when they seem innocent, you know, as innocent as like, you know, uh, you know, games you download to your your iphone that you play right i mean that i mean in tic-tac-toe games or solitaire and that there's there's like literally nothing unwholesome about that yet they can become these gigantic time sinks mm -hmm. if if they become the focus because the sort of enjoyment you get out of that becomes the driving enjoyment of life or the driving force in life that gives you some sort of sense of, of satisfaction mm -hmm. and when you do that once you've done that you've replaced god with whatever that idolatrous sort of enjoyment is and it, it can be anything it can be sports it can be politics it can be food it can be you know darker things it can be alcohol and drugs and bad bad things but it, it doesn't have to be it's almost anything that becomes that thing that you decide that the enjoyment of it is worthy of your attention primarily above and beyond everything else mm -hmm. and that's where i think we we fall short but it is so dang easy to do it and almost it's almost weird but the more wholesome the distraction is it's almost like the more dangerous it is because the easier it is to kind of justify that you're not not really doing anything negatively yeah. mm -hmm. right so i mean if you're addicted to, to to meth it's not that hard to sort of it may be challenging to overcome that but the moral step of this is bad i shouldn't be doing this to myself is easier to make than I shouldn't spend all my time playing Sudoku online mm -hmm. or watching, you know, or watching, you know, cable news all day long for my, to get my political fix. Right. So mm -hmm. uh, the things that appear more wholesome can almost be bigger temptations, I think, in that regard. And so they're a little bit more dangerous in that regard, because in the end, all of those things that distract ultimately from God as the focus of our lives become idols that we worship and it doesn't matter what they're shaped like if they're idols then they are bad and and we have to find a way to see that and 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 acknowledge it and and correct from it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that key passage there uh, just to come back to that matthew 6 passage you know seek first the kingdom of god don't worry about you know what you're going to eat what you're going to drink what you're going to wear God knows you know those things. God knows your father knows you need those things. He's gonna take care of you, I think, is the message of Matthew 6. 
You focus on the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Yeah. What does that mean? Seek first the kingdom. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom? How would you, how would you even rephrase that in today's vernacular? Maybe like seek to bring God glory in whatever it is you're wanting to do. What does it mean to bring God glory? It's a good question. Carry out his will. Carry out what he's what he's asked of us. I think we can't save ourselves, so there's no glory we can do there. But we can do things that that make others who are somehow in darkness or somehow opposed to God turn from that in, in some way, shape, or form. We can be used as those vessels to do that. And if, if there's any way we can contribute to bringing glory to God, I think that that's that's the way we do it. That's good. Um, <clears throat> kind of related question. So um, that passage, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. There's almost a sense of seek first the kingdom and God's going to take care of you. Um, and that was kind of in Haggai too. There was kind of this allusion to God saying, you know, you want to know why your things are going so tough and your purse is running out of money and Crops are failing, and you know, basically, because you're not finishing the house, of the Lord. If you would just do that, the the implication really seems to be, you know, God would bless you, take care of you, and He actually says that more explicitly in chapter two. But that almost feels like part of me feels like, okay, you're just doing this to get blessed. I don't think that's maybe it is. Maybe that is God's wants you to have that motivation, and and yet, um, uh, you know. <clears throat> we, what does that mean? Be blessed too. You know, we can't control how God blesses us. So um, help me out here. I'm just trying to think through um, what's the connection there between doing the spiritual things and blessed physically, you know, is that what God is saying? Uh, is it a conditional thing? Um, what's, what's the message there? Yeah, that, that's a good one. I thought the same thing too. And um, I think our, our, our temptation as sinful people is to go, well, God's just saying, do, do it my way or else, you know, you won't get your stuff. But, you know, when I step back from it, I think what I think is really going on here is in, in the state we're in, we contend with the natural world for our sustenance and well-being. And the natural world is, is, is um, by its, design and not not a simple thing to overcome and conquer by our own will we're not we're not really without god we're not really given that we we can do some things but you know to get energy to get heat to get food to get clothing to get comfort uh, these all come at great cost to us on our own to do and i think what god's really saying is um is the closer you are to me, the closer you are to my original plan for you, which is that you wouldn't always be in contention mm -hmm. with the natural world. But mm -hmm. when you're farther from me, you're basically taking that on by yourself. And it's a challenging thing to do because mm -hmm. it's not an easy world in which to, to conquer. And I think that's by design. I don't think God wanted the world to be an easy thing to 
for us to conquer on our own because that just makes us vulnerable to being our own gods. If it was easy to feed and clothe and take care of ourselves without needing God, well, you know, it's it's easy for us then to follow that sinful will to not follow God because we, we got it. We got this in hand. We, we don't need your help, Lord, and we, we got it. And so I think he has set it up so that um, not so much of a, you know, worship me or else it's all going to go south for you. But it's more like, hey, understand that I didn't make this to be an easy thing for you without me. I didn't make it impossible for you without me, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be fun. And when you're with me, that's the way I designed it. And when you're with me, then just by the nature of how I made my promises to you and how I designed things, your, your needs are going to be taken care of because I'm going to make sure that that's done when, when you're aligned with my will and, and you're, you're working, we're working together there. So that's kind of the way I look at it. But it's always easy for us to just go, oh, well, you know, God just is trying to extort us into worshiping him. <laughs> but I, I really think it's more just a recognition of reality that we're not designed to survive and thrive in the universe that we're in if we aren't also, uh, you know, in God's will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think I think that's exactly right. That's kind of where I landed, too. And that's that's what I I, I think it's. I think it really does come out in Haggai. I think it really is that that's kind of the sense of just that uh, kind of verbiage even that God uses there in Haggai chapter one of, uh, and, and then it's almost like Jesus just read Haggai chapter one when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Just again, that uh, it's, I don't say it's directly cause and effect, but I think it really ties in with what you just said, James, that God gets, Part of seeking the kingdom is, you know, getting further aligned with how God created us to be and being reflections of his glory, whatever that is, um, of who he is, his character, his, um, uh, his person. And, um, and, and yeah, then it, <clears throat> there isn't that friction that's, we're trying to go on, we're going against this, uh, going against the grain, so to speak. So. Is that something that we can, that it's okay to test God in? Because I know like, like the Bible says, like, you know, you shall not test the Lord your God. But, you know, in other places, like regarding money, God's like, test me in this. Like if you tithe or whatever, like I'll bless you. And so is this something? Which I quoted on Sunday and you oh. didn't hear the message. So well done, daughter of mine. My spirit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. The whole testing thing is is a good question because in some cases he does say test me on this and other places it's like well don't test the lord your god and yeah i think it's a little bit of like god saying hey i've made a promise to you test that promise and i will come true versus you know yeah. us pushing god's boundaries to say well you know i'm just gonna i'm just gonna demand you do something because you know, <laughs> i think it's a little bit of of that but no it's i think that's an interesting point i feel like that's maybe what um, about, is testing god's promises say that again hannah yeah i feel like that could be a definition of faith testing god's promises yeah yeah, yeah. well I, I think of gideon you know he kind of tested god with the fleece thing and mm -hmm. he, you know, he did it twice and you know maybe god would have preferred that he just believed without having to do that but 
Um, there's no indication that God scolded him for, for doing that. I think he, yeah. he does recognize that, uh, you know, we, we need, we need something to hang our faith on to a degree. And, uh, you know, even, you know, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my fingers in your hands and side and, and God, I guess Jesus did a, you know, kind of lovingly chided him a little bit for, for that, but he gave him what he needed. He gave him the proof that he needed. He, and he, you know, commissioned that young man to India. And some, I mean, he, used him mightily um so um yeah it's it's it is a good interesting question about the testing yeah i I like what you said hannah there because i think it is part of faith is testing the promises you know if you if you if you don't care about the promises if i'm not going to test the promises do you really believe the promises you can do you can say you believe them but sometimes if you don't test it You know, if uh, do you really believe the chair is going to hold you up? Well, test it by sitting in it through your exercising faith. Yeah, we've talked about how like that there's difference between faith and belief is at least this is kind of a, a thing I've picked up from this is that faith, faith has a little bit of the skin in the game, you know, with that, with whatever acts you take. Belief is like, well, I, I can believe that, you know, this or that is true, but if I'm not risking anything on that belief, it's it doesn't cost me anything. But faith, like when Abraham has faith in God to go to Ur, it's not just like, oh, well, I believe theoretically that the Lord is speaking to me and this is what he wants. He picks up and goes. He, he risks something fairly substantial. And that's that ability, that willingness to risk things for what you're you believe in that 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 you believe god is guiding you i think is is kind of a key point but i also wanted to go back to like the things in haggai where god is saying like well this is why you know your 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 olive trees aren't blooming or whatever it it's not quite a um hey i'm gonna just curse all of your lands and olive trees until you get in line it's more like hey how's this working for you you know you I told you I'll bless you, but you're not, you're not accessing my blessings. And how's it working out? It's not so great. You should, you should access my blessings that I've promised to you, but the promise does involve some give and take, right? It's not just like I promise this to you, period, no matter how bad you behave. It's it, it, there's a covenant. And um, if you're not going to honor that, well, the blessings don't come to you. And, and so that's what I think is kind of going on there in Haggai is it's less extortion and more just a, a bit of like, you know, like logical correction, you know, you're, well, you're, you're not in the covenant and you're doing your own thing. And so how's that going for you? It doesn't, doesn't look good from my point of view and it could be better. And all you got to, all I would suggest is that maybe you, <laughs> honor the covenant and and see if you don't get blessed because i've told you i would bless that yeah and um, so yeah that's good yeah well said so it's a little bit of a test but it's also a little bit of like a, also a um a stick and carrot you know or, or even just a lot of carrot like look i told you i was gonna bless you with this why don't you just give that a try and see mm-hmm. how that, how that is yeah it reminded me of something else I wrote. I did write down my notes as I was kind of thinking through the topic for tonight and uh, or this weekend. 
And because, uh, you know, it's it's getting back to the whole spiritual versus physical thing, you know, we seek for the kingdom, spiritual is good. Um, and you could, you could fall into the trap of spiritual good, physical bad. And there's been heretical beliefs around that. You know, the, some of the ancient heresies believe that matter is evil and spirit is good. So you can do whatever you want in the physical because it doesn't matter, you know. And, uh, um, and Christianity is different. Judaism is Christian, different. It really affirms matter. Matter is good. God made matter. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis in, in Christianity talks about how, you know, God, God made matter. He, he, uh, he puts the new life into us through things like bread and wine and waters of baptism. And um, I, think, I think his point is that then it, you know, God made matter. He likes it. Um, so, so there's that. And I guess where I'm going with that is that um, the, the, the idea of seeking first the kingdom is um, we can over-spiritualize that. And maybe we've already talked about this a little bit, but just the fact that I think when you said the carrot, James, that uh, um, there's all these places where Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, take up a cross and follow him, you know, these really hard things to do, but, but he gives the carrot, you know, and great will be your reward in heaven. You know, he, 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 it's, he makes this appeal to desire for our, our for our amazing blessing. It's, um, and so, um, so apparently there's nothing wrong with the carrot idea because God uses the carrot, but I remember as a young man in college wrestling with that, I felt like that's, no, I, I can't be doing things because I want to get something from God. Um, it should just be for his sake. And I, I think that's probably true, but uh, there are these scriptures that really do, you know, over and over again, God makes the appeal. Jesus makes the appeal to desire. Any, any thoughts on that? Is that, you know, do you wrestle with that? Is that, um, Am I misreading that? Or? Well, you have the passage about, I think it was in Haggai that we just read, If I, unless I'm getting my weeks mixed up. Of, this is as desire of nations, right? Mm -hmm. there, yeah. There's something to desire there. And um, so, I mean, I, 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 I know what you're saying. It's like, if I'm worshiping God because I don't want to go to hell, <laughs> it might just being selfish but you I mean there's also a very pragmatic like well i don't want to go to hell and it's good for me to worship god so it's like a win-win like i win and i also do what god wants <laughs> yeah so and, well, uh, it's not, and it's not just don't go to hell but you know even if it's figurative yeah, it's you're, gonna get streets, you're gonna get streets of gold you're gonna get a mansion you're gonna get streets yeah. of gold you're gonna you know <laughs> blessing yeah, it's, I mean, there's, yeah. yeah. So. It is, I think it's, it probably kind of goes back to we're created to be something that sin has, has stepped in the way of. And so our desire to be that something is not a bad thing because we, that's what we were made to be. If that desire is, I want to, I want to go to heaven because I want to live in joy and bliss with God and all of those whom I love. I don't, I don't see that as a negative, bad, selfish thing. Um, 
and that I don't want to live in eternal torment <laughs> is maybe selfish, but it's also, I think, pretty understandable. And I don't think God is like, you know, saying, I want you to worship me, you know, because, uh, you know, for your own reasons, not because you don't want to be separated from me and, and be eternal <laughs> tormented. Mm -hmm. I think it's that he made us to want, want those things. And so, um, wanting them is kind of a sign that we're wanting the right because because we're made to want stuff one way or another and wanting that at least is a sign that we're lined up with the right way we're made to be um i think i think we can't in in good conscience say we aren't designed to want something it seems like it's just a fundamental part of human nature to want something so what is it that we want if we want god and eternal salvation and um you know heaven and and a blissful existence forever in joy and love and harmony well those are good things to want and so even if if we want them and 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 we want to worship god because those are the things we want i think they're sort of kind of designed to go hand in hand it's hard for me to see it as as just a transactional uh you know selfishness i feel like god sort of makes us that way I think like in like when you give like a gift to somebody like you want them to want it mm. and so i feel like it's the same way god wants us to want the mm. things that he has for us yeah well said yeah mm -hmm. that's good mm -hmm. yeah that's a good one final thoughts on any of this priorities it's all about priorities is the thing what should your priorities be the only other thing that stood out to me in it, and I, I won't diverge, I don't think for long on it, but we read all those passages where God talks about, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and the seas and the dry land. I'm going to do this and, and, and bring glory to this new temple. And um, as you were talking about it, like that, you know, he does because Jesus, you know, that's where Jesus shows up. But I was, the first thing that came to my mind, which is very nerdy is, those those verses stand out because um, they're part of Handel's Messiah, right? Mm -hmm. There's a there's a pretty famous part of Handel's Messiah. I James, I just listened to Handel's Messiah twice, yeah. the entire thing in the last twenty four hours, and I haven't, I have not listened to Handel's Messiah probably in over a year or so. Yeah, so maybe it's a thing, but that that verse where the bass starts singing, "I will share," <laughs> like thing and um but i feel like that the verses uh, in the messiah were almost all of them picked because they're messianic prophecies and my my first thought went to that it isn't just that the physical temple there they're rebuilding that god's glorifying but that jesus himself is like that greater temple that's coming right where he says destroy this temple i'll raise them three days so i just i wonder i was gonna throw that out there it's like you know, is, is there some of that uh, too in those passages of, hey, you know, you think that great, that old temple was great, but the new temple I'm doing is far better. Um, not only because Jesus will physically visit that physical temple, but because Jesus himself is that greater temple that I'm raising up. So, yeah. 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 Messianic promise there, I think, a little bit in those passages. Yep, absolutely. He is the temple. Yeah. Tear down this temple and in three days I will rebuild it. Yeah.
so. good place to end on the death yeah. and resurrection of Jesus. So anyone out there that hasn't listened to that, go listen to the Messiah and that 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 shake. I will shake the heavens and the earth by the mm-hmm. base guy. It's always a an epic part of it. And then after you are done listening to Handel's Messiah, go out to Amazon Music and download Peter Chernus acoustic version of of the Messiah called My Messiah, in which brilliant this was really a struggle genius of him he uh he though so it's acoustic guitar the whole way original tunes the exact words of Handel's messiah is in the entire thing it's all the king james version nothing has been changed couple words here and there added that's it just to help the transition so we'll you really of Handel's messiah what's that the world famous churnus cover yes <laughs> Yeah, the 90-minute Turnus cover of Handel's Messiah. It's a long piece. You got to yeah. really be devoted. Can you handle it? What'd you say, Anna? Can you handle it? Oh! <laughs> Maybe you could say yeah, you can handle it. You've had a 12-hour shift. That's very clear right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are the temple, and you came down, and you have shaken things up but in a good way, and you uh, shake and tear down so you can rebuild and you can pour into us, um, uh, make us into um, the building blocks of that new temple, living stones we each are built with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. And so continue to do that work, Lord Jesus. And uh, dare I say, even now, as we get closer to Christmas season, I know we're been talking about Christmas because we're not Thanksgiving yet, but uh, what a great time to just begin to think in terms of uh, the coming of Jesus uh, into our world, the rescue mission. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us and continue to, to build that temple and help us not to get distracted by our kitchen remodels. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.